who from Beaumont, Alberta, like goes out and kind of does something or yeah. makes a name for themselves in a certain way. And I'm like, no one really has, but it's possible. And I want to be one of those guys that like kind of breaks away and moves out and does something. Hi, my name is Derek Kessler. I'm 27 years old and I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm originally a small town boy from Beaumont, Alberta. I'm still a small town boy at heart. When I quit, you know, an almost $100,000 paying job on the oil rigs and got a job at Earl's serving downtown Yaletown, like my parents thought I was insane. Well, when you're younger and you're trying to find who you are, where I was growing up, that was kind of what it was. I was just trying to impress other people and wanting to become something that way or at least feel like I was something. Yeah. And then um, I realized when I got out here, like none of that stuff mattered. And I moved to Vancouver and I sold my nice car and I sold my motorcycle and I kind of stripped everything back down to the bare bones. I'm like, well, who am I and what do I want to do moving yeah. forward? Big Brother in general was probably still the best experience of my life nice. um, just because I learned so much about myself. I think people try and stay comfortable and they think that's what makes them feel better. But the thing that makes you feel the best is when you challenge yourself, exactly. right? Alrighty. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Um, I guess to start us off, something, whenever I meet people, I feel like what really defines them is growing up. And I know you grew up in a small town in Alberta. Mm -hmm. um, curious to know what that was like. What, what was your life like growing up? I mean, growing up in a small town, honestly, is the best. Like one day when I hopefully have a family and have some kids, like yeah. that's what I would like to do is move out to a small town. And just growing up with, like even now I have my same 10 best friends that I grew up with since we were like two, three years old. We're all yeah. in a group chat together. We've all gone in different directions as we've moved on with life. But growing up in a small town was awesome. You know, skateboarding all over the place, playing hockey, playing sports. High school was a lot of fun. It was just there's something so wholesome about it. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the kind of relaxed, slow yeah. mentality of growing up in a small town. But I think really it's just like that sense of community, which I love. And I feel like when you move on and go out to a bigger city, sometimes it's hard to find that sense of a community. Whereas, you know, I knew all my neighbors, like I don't know everyone that lives in my apartment, but growing up, I'm like, okay, I know the Smiths. I know these people. Yeah. So everyone that kind of lives around you. And it was one of those places where you don't even necessarily have to like lock your doors. So it was a really awesome place to grow up. I mean, my childhood was good in, a, in that place. <laughs> yeah. Fair. And looking back, I guess, to where you are and the journey you've been, would you say that there were certain things about growing up in that small town that defined, I guess, the rest of your life. So being maybe that sense of community or those friends that you grew up with or some of the activities that you did growing up. Like, would you say there were certain things about that time that, that shaped the rest of your journey? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things from when you're younger that define who you are as a person. I don't think you actually really realize that until you get older and you're like, wait, why am I the way I am? Even for certain things like... I noticed as I was going through my 20s, I was like, why am I such a people pleaser? And kind of figuring out when I was younger why I was doing that. And um, yeah, I guess just growing up in a small town, it really does help shape your future for sure. I want to dive deep into that people pleaser story. Um, tell me more about that and that realization you made. And what would you say about, I guess, growing up that made you think about that? Um, that's a good question. So I guess we're going to get <laughs> deep early. Uh, for me, I realized like the whole people pleasing thing kind of actually came from, from me trying to impress my dad is what it was. It was, it was, uh, like I was playing competitive sports growing up and when I was younger and I was playing these sports at the beginning, it was something that I always did for myself. When you're a kid, it's like, you know, I just want to do 
whatever I want to do for myself. Yeah. And then you get older and you try and fit in and be like normal in society. And you're like, okay, well, what can I do to impress other people and make me fit in? Because at the end of the day, a lot of us just want to fit into a certain group. But when you're younger and you're a kid, it's like, I just want to do whatever I want to do. Like I want to play or I want to do anything. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was more so on the ice. Like when I was playing hockey, um, I was really trying to impress my dad. And it was tough. It was a tough thing for me to do because it was always kind of like, you know, if I played bad, I heard about it. But if I played really good, there wasn't really like, it was like, okay, that was the expectation. So I felt like I was constantly trying to like please my dad. And then I was never really getting the validation back from that. So then I got older. I'm like, why am I always trying to like get this validation from pleasing other people? Like, mm. even if I don't necessarily agree with them, mm. I'm just like trying to stay away from any drama. Yeah. So really that's pretty much what that came from was my relationship, you know, inside of me trying to like please my dad and it was a hard thing to do because he was never like really he didn't open up emotionally that much to me so it's something that you'd seek out from other people um so yeah that's something that I just kind of carried out through adulthood and now like I don't care anymore yeah it's, you know if you don't agree with me I can disagree with you but yeah that was something that I carried through kind of my childhood and into adult life is trying to please other people because of these things that are rooted in you from what happened yeah. when you were a child no that's that's really well said I feel like for me I can definitely relate and even right now kind of just going through that like I feel like everything that I do at the end of the day it's like yeah to make my parents proud right and there's probably been like like one or two moments throughout my life that my parents have I, I've actually felt like I'm making my parents proud um so yeah it's definitely hard and I guess seeking that validation then from other people other sources like right. I know for me like a lot of my times in like doing social media stuff is to seek that validation because yeah. I may not necessarily get it at home or get it from my friends, right? Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely get that. Um, I know you mentioned or I read about um, I, you know, you you grew up small town, um, and in your early years in your career, uh, you worked in the construction and oil industry, right? I um, did, yeah. I wanted to, you know, learn more about what what was that like and. Um, yeah, like, how did you reach that, that path? Yeah, again, I think, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've heard this before or read this, but um, there's a saying that's like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Yeah. So at that point in time, I grew up in a small town, Alberta, and it was very blue collar, it was very construction. I never really liked it. Like, yeah. Yeah, even my mind, I'm like, I'm not a tradesman. Like, I don't want to go hammer a nail or put drywall up. Or like, yeah. I wasn't really into building things so yeah. much. I was like, I don't want to do something using my brain or something more creative. Yeah. But also it's kind of like a fitting in thing, right? At that point in time, it's like, you know, you kind of also just want to be cool and fit in with the group and do what other people are doing. So you're a part of something. And so all my friends at the time were all in construction as well. And you're kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to do what they do. We all have a similar kind of job. We all go out on the weekends and drink and chase women yeah. and do our, our thing. And um, so at, at that point in time, I was going up north to Fort McMurray and I worked two weeks on and one week off, and it was like 12-hour shifts. So it was a lot. But again, it was it was more so chasing the money and just having something stable as opposed yeah. to what I really like to do. And when I was up there, that's actually when I started to get into reading. So I'd have these – and of course, like I hated my job. So when I'm way out in the in the forest, like in yeah. a machine, I'm taking you know, a little longer break. Okay, instead yeah. of half-hour lunch, I'm going to take an hour. No one's <laughs> around. Know, no one I know knows. That, yeah. yeah, so I, I picked up some Tony Robbins books, and I think the first one I read was Unlimited Power. So you know I'm out there – Minus 30 in the in the machine and construction reading like all the stuff about manifesting and you can do whatever you want to do and you have the power and yeah and that's when um, I was like I don't want to do this anymore and 
I know fast forward to moving to Vancouver was kind of a whole other story, but I had a friend that was in the same situation where he was an electrician and I was a heavy equipment operator. We were both up north, grew up together, best friends. And we're like, man, we hate our jobs. Like, what are we doing here? We don't even really like Edmonton. And we had come out to Vancouver to visit a friend and we were here for one weekend and then we're like, we're moving here. Sold all of our stuff, had some money saved up and just moved out here at 25. I call it my like quarter life crisis. Yeah. Um, before we dive deeper into that and that transition, um, you didn't mention this whole idea of, you know, being the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And right. I'm sure a lot of people that will be listening are probably in that same situation without even realizing it. So for me, in my experience growing up, um, I had the same five group of friends and for us, it was kind of the same thing. Like you go to school, you do the bare minimum. Um, what do we do in our free time with like play video games and yeah. you know, talk about girls and go out and like that, that was kind of just, just how it is. And for me, it's only until I moved to, um, I went to boarding school in Kenya where I realized, okay, I'm in a different context and there's so much more to than what we usually do. And I sort of had that realization. So just curious, to you know, I guess looking back, um, is there anything you would change or is there like, I don't know, what was going through your head when you were in that, you know, that scenario of, of being around the same people and having that lifestyle and, you know, um, going to work and those 12-hour shifts? Yeah, I think, well, the one thing about looking back is it's easy to connect the dots. You can't really connect the dots looking forward. Yeah. And I don't think people realize how much their environment really dictates who they are. Like, as much as you want to change on the inside, it's a lot of things that you're surrounded with is what you need to change. Yeah. Like if you're in a certain situation, sometimes the only way to get out of it is to remove yourself from it. Um, so thinking back and being in that situation, I was just so comfortable and content, but I woke up every morning just thinking like, this isn't what I want to do. I'm bored. I had all these dreams of like travel and everything, but I also was still hanging on to this, like keeping up with the Joneses kind yeah. of small town mentality where yeah. I'm like, I had a nice car and like a big car payment and I had a motorcycle and I like to buy nice clothes and yeah. like all these kinds of things. And it was constantly, again, to try and impress other people that didn't matter at all because you shouldn't have to have yeah. validation from other people in that yeah. sense. But when you're younger and you're trying to find who you are, where I was growing up, that was kind of what it was. I was just trying to impress other people and wanting to become something that way or at least feel like I was something. Yeah. And then um, I realized when I got out here, like none of that stuff mattered. And I moved to Vancouver and I sold my nice car and I sold my motorcycle and I kind of stripped everything back down to the bare bones. I'm like, well, who am I and what do I want to do moving yeah. forward? Who cares what other people think, especially the people closest to you, which yeah. is difficult. Like when I quit, you know, an almost $100,000 paying job on the oil rigs and got a job at Earl's serving downtown Yelltown, like my parents thought I was insane, right? Like I moved to a more expensive city, take a huge pay cut just to change. Yeah. But I think that was the problem is I was stuck in that comfort zone and I needed something to push me to get out of it. And I was lucky enough to have like my best friend Stu at the time who was in the same situation that was just like, man, I want to get out of here. I hate what we're doing. Like We've always wanted to start a business and do something. And that's when we moved out here and started our first business together and kind of got off and running with that. But it was a lot of growth and realization. And a lot of it too just come from reading and listening to podcasts like this and learning and kind of just being able to itch my way out of that comfort zone. Yeah. I feel like from what you've said, it's one thing to have a certain thought and be like, okay, I'm not, you know, happy in, in my current situation. And you could listen to as many podcasts and read as many books. Right. And it's another thing to act upon it, right? And I yeah. feel like for a lot of people, even people I know, like, we do have all these conversations, but 
going from that point of thinking to acting is is where I guess real change happens, right? So curious to learn more about what was going through your head when you and and even around you, your family, your friends, when you did make that move, and and you you mentioned you got your first job, you know, serving at Earls. Yeah. Um, were there moments where you like shit like? Did I just take a leap of faith and I sh- shouldn't have done this? Or I'm curious to just learn about your mindset uh, during that time. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're moving out and doing something that I guess basically is the opposite of everything everyone else is doing, you definitely have those moments where you think like, is there this the right thing? But I was at a point in my life where I, you know, it wasn't like I was depressed or anything like that. I was yeah. just like, I'm not happy and I want to try something new. And the men- there was a mentality shift as well. Like being in Alberta, if you were like a bartender or anything and you're in your mid-20s, they're like, you don't have a real job yet or you haven't actually done anything. Yeah. Like what's your career, quote unquote. Yeah. And I didn't realize at that time like how young, 25, 23, these ages really were. Even me now at 32, I'm like, you know, if I wanted to restart tomorrow, why not? Yeah. Um, so going through my mind, I think I found comfort in having Stu there with me, which was really nice because we both are like, hey, we're, we're quitting our jobs, we're moving to Vancouver. And I also was lucky enough that I had worked up north for quite a while, so I had a pretty good nest egg saved. So I can't remember what the dollar amount was, but I yeah. moved out here with quite a bit of money and yeah. it wasn't like, you know, I have to get a job right away. And so really my number one goal was I wanted to get out here and figure out who I am and what I want to do. Yeah. So two things I love. I love working out and I love going out and drinking. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a job at a restaurant yeah. and I'm going to get a job at a gym. Yeah. So that was kind of how I moved out here and got into myself into a new social circle. And then Vancouver just kind of took over. Like there's so many people that I found were just like chasing something. And it wasn't like that in Edmonton at all, which is what I just became obsessed with. Like I started serving at Earl's and I'm like working with all these other people. They're all part time. And yeah. like, oh, you're like a model. You're a photographer. You're an actor, like, oh, you're doing art, you do paintings. And I'm like, wow, everyone here is like older. They're all like 26 to 30 and they're serving part time. And then really it was just kind of to fund them chasing whatever artistic thing they wanted to chase. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like these more career, quote unquote, oriented people. So it just kind of took over. And yeah, luckily, like I said, I had my friends do with me. So we lived together. You know, we're listening to all our motivational stuff yeah. and <laughs> chatting about stuff and talking business ideas and really just pushing through personal growth. And the number one thing, too, that um, that also pushed me was, like, all my friends I grew up with are like, oh, you're going to be back here in six months, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because we had one other friend that moved out here, and I think he was gone back home in, like, eight months. And we're like, no, there's no chance. Like, yeah. We got here. We were here for, like, so we moved to New West, and we were there for about three months. But we were downtown so often, we ended up breaking our lease early and then moved to downtown Vancouver. Nice. And I think I was like at the eight-month point, and I'm like, I'm going to get a BC license. Like, I'm not going back. Like, yeah. This is my move. This is it, yeah. yeah. So it's also it was also to kind of like prove these people wrong, which, you know, I don't know. There, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Like, you should be doing things for yourself. And yeah. I think it is important to be selfish in a sense and like do things for you. Don't do things for other people. But there was that little burning desire in me that I was just like, I want to prove everyone wrong. From and I have the, I like, told you so moment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, there's no one. And I'm just looking and I'm like, ah, like who from Beaumont, Alberta, like goes out and kind of does something or yeah. makes a name for themselves in a certain way. And I'm like, no one really has, but it's possible. And I want to be one of those guys that like kind of breaks away and moves out and does something. And so, yeah, I guess I was just kind of motivated in a lot of different ways. It's funny that your story is very, I see a lot of myself in your story in the sense that, I moved here last year uh, for university 
and my first summer here I actually worked at a grocery store okay. I was so imagine for me I was back at home I was the poster child and you know I made it to university on a full ride scholarship and you know um won all these awards and done all these cool things and now I'm here working in a new country don't know a lot of people working at a grocery store right um it was tough it wasn't easy um uh, for myself to I guess put myself in that situation. I didn't necessarily need the job, but I wanted to do something and I wanted to I guess be financially independent as like right. a 19-year-old boy, right? Um so it's funny that you mentioned that and and you you took that leap of faith and I think yeah, I was honestly so like I saw myself a lot when you're mentioning that story. You do mention Stu a lot, your you say your best friend, right? Right. Curious to learn more about that relationship because I feel like it's so important to have that one or two people in your life that and it's hard to really find that people yeah. that you know <clears throat> have your best interests in mind people that want to grow with you people that uh you share like you could do fun stuff with but you could also ha- sit down and have a deep conversation with right right um want to learn more about that friend <clears throat> yeah and i think with guys especially we're just terrible at talking about our yeah. feelings so yeah. it's hard to like have those people to to open up with cuz you know, you, it's never really been comforting to open up to, to a woman unless yeah. it was like your mom, at least for me growing yeah. up, right? Yeah. I was definitely a mama's boy. And then you kind of don't like to put your problems on other guys. It's like the whole old school thinking where it's like, well, be a man and figure it out. Exactly. Right? But we came out here together. And I mean, it's a, I guess it's a bit of a long story. We had a little falling out later, but it was like, he was my accountability partner in everything and I owe him so much because he's the one that got me into like you know he introduced me to a lot of these like motivational speakers like yeah. Les Brown and Grant Cardone and all these others that I've listened to and got onto their podcast and listened to these stories that motivated me to be like okay look, this is a regular guy that just went out and did this so yeah. so we can do this too but yeah it's important to to have those people and I think what a lot of people get caught up in is I want to do it all myself I can do it myself I don't need anyone's help and I think there is a way to like obviously do as much as you can do on your own but i think the saying is also like if you want to go if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far i was just thinking of that i was just thinking of that well yeah yeah so it's one of those things and i think it's just if you find that one other person which Stu had that motivation and we're going through a a change changing period in our lives and you know he's he's knocking on my door at 6 a.m hey man let's get up we're going to the gym together at 6 a.m um, okay. We basically like, we wrote all our go- goals and we're like, okay, these are like our, our day-to-day must haves. Nice. So it's just like, you know, you must pay your electricity bill. It's like, these are the things that you have to do every, yeah. every day. So we're like, okay, we listen to one hour of a podcast. We read 30 pages of a book every day. Uh, we write these affirmations and we do all these kinds of things. So we basically had these charts up on our bedroom door. So we go check on each other. I'm like, Hey man, I noticed you didn't check off that nice. you read uh, 20 pages today. So are you going to do that? Or what, like you're watching TV right now. So it's also being able to have that person you can actually call out, which is huge in a relationship because everyone's kind of scared to like step on each other's toes. Exactly. But if you can have that person where it's just like no bullshit and you're like, Hey, like you said you were going to do this. So do it. Yeah. And Stu was that guy for me because I would sometimes kind of sink back into my comfort zone. I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like doing this. And yeah. then he's like, no man, you said you were going to do this. So let's do it. And we we're also in this business together. So part of my growth and journey was also yeah tied into his. So we had to, you know, both be in it a hundred percent or else it wasn't going to work. Um, 
but yeah, fast forward, we we ended up having like a bit of a falling out of yeah. business, and then he moved to Toronto. But since then, we've rekindled our relationship. Nice. He started a new business, and he's actually killing it, doing uh, personal at home training. So I did a bunch of training with him. Nice. And um, so yeah, now we're back. I was actually facetiming him yesterday for like an hour. Nice. Just, you know, talking. I'm like, you gotta get on YouTube now, and we're just chatting about all kinds of things that we're looking forward to doing. So yeah, it's pretty cool, and I think that means something also, like moving out here and knowing each other since we're like three, four years old. Coming out here, going through all this change together, not being friends at the end of it. You know, they yeah. say you don't get into business with your best friend. Yeah. Like I learned that the hard way and then not talking for like a year or two to coming back and being like, this is stupid. Like we're 30 year old men now. Like we're not going to hold a grudge and not you know lose everything we had because we failed on this business together. So now we're, we're back to, to good again. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying that bit of the podcast. I was hoping if you can potentially leave a review or subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening on YouTube, it would honestly mean the world and this will help us to reach to more people and have that impact that we want to have. Thank you. Um, I love that you shared that story with your best friend. I feel like for me, I do have that my best friend Wahab right now and he's not here. We went to boarding school together. Okay. Um, but we FaceTime every day for like an hour and we do those check-ins and we try to hold each other accountable. It's I guess it's different when it's in person and you're living together. Yeah. Like, you know, you could go to the gym together, you could, you know, hold like you could physically see them do stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to find that. I feel like especially you know, as, as a guy and having those conversations and being tough with each other, I feel like it's it's so important and holding each other accountable. Um, I don't know. I've had experiences where I felt like I found that with certain people only to realize that they're only in it for like other reasons. Right. And, it, yeah. and they don't have your best interests in mind. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But I want to uh, shift to you're working at Earl's. You've moved to Vancouver. You're slowly settling in. You're meeting all these like cool people right. um how do we go from there to you know starting your first business um and also obviously you did a lot of reality tv right so yeah um uh i guess i'm asking you to sort of bridge that gap and how that transition happened <clears throat> um yeah i mean so everything is basically just me constantly trying to get to the next level so it's like you get outside your comfort zone and then you're comfortable again and then you're like, okay, I got to do something else to like find a way to push me to go even further. And really it was just all about learning about myself. So like yeah. I said, I got here, I got a job at Earl's to meet people, get into a social circle and I got a job at the gym because I love working out and got a free membership. So I was yeah. like, these are the two things that I kind of love to do and it gives me a chance to be so social and meet two different kinds of kinds of people. Yeah. Sometimes like the people that are crazy health and fitness at the gym aren't necessarily the ones that are like going out and drinking and partying. Right? Exactly. So I kind yeah. of have like these people where I'm like, Oh, I party, work at Earl's. We have fun after our shift, maybe stay up till 3am. And then yeah. depending where I'm at in my life, I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll hang out more with my gym friends because yeah. they're being a little bit more, <laughs> yeah. a little more chill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really just meeting other people. And like I said, there's so many creative people that were working at Earl's at the time, whether it was acting or modeling or photography. And it kind of pushed me to get into something like that. And I also, I, I went through a few kind of funny changes, which it, it sounds so silly at the moment, yeah. but like I was, a, I was, a, I was an Alberta boy. Like I showed up here and I'm just wearing like backward snapback hats and like hoodies and <laughs> constantly wearing like plaid and just like jeans. And I didn't really 
have that Vancouver-esque about me. And then uh, I always, I kind of had like a little bit longer shaggy hair. And yeah. So yeah, I met this uh, hairdresser and I got like, he totally changed my hair, which was funny. He's like, yeah, man, we need to like do this little bit of a quaff on top and like, <laughs> so I like got changed his haircut. And then, so I'm like serving at Earl's and then people that are working there are like, oh, have you ever done like modeling or acting or anything like that? And I'm like, never thought of it in my life. Like I work in construction. I just moved here. And even then I'm like, oh, like. My friends back home would think that's so not cool if I yeah. if I got into like trying to be a model, right? Yeah. Like, that's not Alberta, right? Like so it's not yeah. like macho blue collar man at all. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Like of course I still had attachment to like what other people thought. I just moved away and I'm just trying to find myself and but yeah, so there's other people just like, Oh, you should try and get into it and I had met this uh this other guy. I worked on movie sets like part time as well. Nice. Um and he's like, well, you should get an acting agent. I'm like, I've never acted in my life. He's like, well, you could try commercials and that kind of stuff. So basically, I've done a little bit of like fake it till you make it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Even for Earl's, for example, I'd never served before. So I made up this whole resume. That yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, I served here in Edmonton and did this, this, and yeah. this. Went in there, like crushed the interview. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't call like any references. Yeah. Which was so funny because I'm like same thing kind of happened with getting an, an acting agent. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I had this like, I guess, false resume where I'm like, oh, I worked here and here for six months and I bartended at this place. Yeah. It was just like all bullshit, but they hired me. Nice. I remember the first time I like my first shift, I'm like, never hold a serving tray before. And I'm like, this is actually so hard like to balance yeah. it. So yeah, that happened. And then I was working part time with this, um, this guy Clayton on movie sets and basically like you're working in the back end and you're building different sets. So like they did spray foaming. So like for planet of the apes, all the caves and stuff, nice. it's all, all spray foam like molds. So they did all that. So I also did that kind of part time with him and he's like, yeah, you should try and get like a, an agent for commercial acting and all this. And he's like, Oh, I'll help, I'll help you write up an email to like send to, agencies around here so we like tied this one up i was like oh yeah i was in a play in grade 10 i have some acting experience like nice so i ended up getting an agent uh as well and uh yeah it was just kind of peaceful people pushing me towards this and i was like so uncomfortable in being in front of a camera or like doing any of that kind of stuff but i'm like if i do these things it's gonna help me get further out my shell and kind yeah of see see where this goes so yeah, that's kind of where I started with with coming here and working at Earls and doing that kind of stuff. Sorry, what was the initial? Question <laughs> so, I'm like going off. Yeah. yeah. So I asked you, I guess, in terms of your first like big, um, I guess gig, right? You did reality TV, right? How how did you get to that point? Right. Sorry. Okay. So, you know all the life changes stuff I'm going through, and um, at that point in time. Stu and I were both like, we want to start a business. We came out here, we're listening to all these different tapes. And, you know, at that point in time, it was like drop shipping and Shopify. Yeah, like all these things <laughs> e-commerce. Start, yeah, yeah, like all this stuff is starting to come up. And we're like, how can we create like passive income or do something that we're passionate about? And I've always been into fashion. I kind of, my Instagram and my social media is a little bit less of that now, but I was doing a lot more kind of fashion influencing stuff beforehand. But I've always loved fashion and dressing nice, and Stu is the same way, and we both love the gym. And at that point in time, we were just, like, reading about different businesses that had blown up. And there was this one called East Coast Lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, East Coast Lifestyle. And there's a few other, um, I guess they're called, like, like lifestyle brands, yeah. right? And there was, like, some gym clothing stuff. And we're like, well, let's start a clothing company. Like, how hard could it be? Yeah. Let's, like, make some T-shirts and see if we can sell them. And yeah. So Stu and I came up with this idea together, and... Again, it's kind of just like there's this book by Simon Sinek. I don't know if you know that is. So it's called Start With Why. And yeah. it's basically like you keep digging back to layers 
further and further back to realize like why you want to do something like okay i moved to vancouver why'd you move there because i wanted to get out of edmonton why'd you want to get out of edmonton yeah. i felt stuck and you, it's just like digging down to yeah. figure out like the, the core of the what purpose. you want to do yeah yeah and so this business we're like you know vancouver really changed our lives and we love it here we think the city's amazing so let's do something about vancouver so playing around with logos and i came up with uh this name called vncvr is vancouver without the vowels and um uh, there was also like at that point in time a lot of brands that were doing like give back as you grow yeah a lot of the kind of older model was like you know your business blows up and then you start giving back to charity and do that stuff but that's when like tom's footwear was like you buy a pair like of shoes social a pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah so that kind of like social initiative and we're like well let's attach ourselves to something in the city and again we thought back and we're like you know growing up in beaumont we had really good childhoods and it was amazing and being able to have all the opportunities we had growing up, like that would suck for not being able to have that for yeah. someone here. So we're like, well, let's reach out to the BC Children's Hospital and see if we can partner with them and give some of our money that we make back to them. So, uh, so yeah, we kind of modeled our business around that as well. So it was uh, like VNCVR and then our, our uh, tagline was... Um, what was it? Is something about like dress with purpose and live with purpose. Nice. I can't remember the exact thing uh, it was, but it was basically about like dressing with purpose and living with purpose was around that whole idea. And then we gave 10% of our net sales to the BC Children's Hospital. Nice. So that's kind of how it started. But um, yeah, so we were just looking for something to, to start together and we're like, let's do t-shirts and went to like some random printing company. I came up with this uh, this logo on Microsoft Paint. Don't even nice. know if that exists anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it was on Microsoft Paint. We got the logo done and we're like, well, how do we sell stuff? Like, how do we start an online store? Like, where do we go? Yeah. And we're like, well, you know what? There's a flea market in Vancouver. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So it's so funny. So it's pretty, it was pretty funny because I, I called them up and it's, uh, it's on like Terminal Avenue, kind of under where the SkyTrain yeah. is there. And we show up there to look around and it's just like a bunch of people selling their junk or yeah. like random little booths for whatever stuff. You may be able yeah. to buy old video games or like yeah. a lava lump, you know, it's just the most random stuff. Yeah. Um, so we're like, we're going to try and sell brand new stuff here. That makes no sense. But the, it was like 40 bucks for a table for the weekend. So we bought, we had bought, I don't know, 20 t-shirts, a few hoodies and like a couple things made up like a little Microsoft word document, like yeah. who we are, set up a table and I think we ended up selling like, I don't know, maybe 10 items over nice. the weekend. And so we're like, man, if we can sell brand new t-shirts at a flea market, I think we could probably sell them. And that's when I got into learning how to build a website. And, nice. And that's when the social media really started. I was never, again, like I cared way too much what people thought. So yeah. I would never post a selfie on Instagram in 2016. Like, yeah. No chance. And now I'm like, well, the way to grow a business is you got to be online. You got to be on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. And they're really starting to blow up. And so that's when I got into the photography and nice. learning Instagram and posting and growing following and doing that whole thing. So, yeah, we learned nothing. We just uh, like coming to school and all that. It was just YouTube, how to build a website, YouTube, how to yeah. you know do all this kind of stuff. So basically just self-taught. And Stu was like really the numbers guys. He was amazing with like accounting and all that kind of stuff. And profits versus losses and like yeah. that whole thing and then i was like the creative, creative yeah and Stu still was like i don't like being in front of the camera he does now like now yeah he was kind of like the anti-social media guy like one of those guys <laughs> nice. was like no it's stupid like i don't ever want to do social yeah um so i did all kind of like the marketing and the photo shoots and all that and i really liked it um so yeah that's how we kind of ended up growing the growing the business together and at one point in time we were in like five stores and yeah again it's just like 
some of the stuff that just made me so uncomfortable that was such a growth period. Like we literally had a suitcase and it's funny because people think you have to do so much like, Oh, I need to do all these things to like start a clothing company. It's like, we had a design we went and got t-shirts printed at like some shop. Yeah. We put them in a suitcase and we just walked around town, like into stores and we're like, Hey, do you want to sell our shit? Like that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we made up like a little catalog. Like these are the three or four styles we have. We give back to nice. this charity. It was literally just like a Microsoft word document stapled together. Yeah. And we just like, we walked down fourth Ave and kits went to all the local shops, like in and out and in and out. And again, just focusing on like, the journey itself and try not to be so focused on the result. Yeah. And just knowing sales, it's like, okay, well, you know, it takes 10 no's to get a yes. So in my mind, I'm like, every no is one no closer to getting that first exactly. yes we're going to get in that store, right? Yeah. So if you flipped your thinking to like going that journey, like people get too caught up on like, because it feels like rejection is one of the shittiest feelings yeah. right? in whatever you're doing in life. So, but when you kind of use those rejections to build up towards what you're going after, it's like, okay, well, that's great. Like, I can't wait. We're laughing. Like, let's go, let, let's go to like a place that sells just expensive stuff. Walk in there with our stuff. Just for, yeah. Like just to get another rejection. Like let's stack them up, man. Let's keep them going. Cause we know the yeses are coming. Exactly. And then, yeah. So we ended up getting in like, at one point we're in like five stores and then right. selling online. And that was the first time I realized I'm like, holy, I mean, we weren't making any money yet, but you know, I started, it's funny looking back to, I'm like, this website is awful. And I can, yeah. and like someone from Iceland just bought a hoodie Damn. from yeah. us. And then I would message her. And I remember this specifically, like the first few customers. And I'm like, Hey, where'd you find us? She's like, Oh, I saw you on Instagram. And I went to university at UBC and I moved back nice. home and I love Vancouver. So that's why I bought your hoodie. So she had like an attachment to the city and our brand in that way. And, uh, yeah. So we just kind of grew that way. So, nice. I mean, that was really the first big adventure and that was kind of into the whole, clothing business and um i mean fast forwarding into reality tv the whole idea originally i had heard of this big brother show i had no, no idea what it was yeah and i was like oh these are just like a bunch of random people that get cast and go on this show and they compete and it's like a social game plus a physical and memory game yeah and you kind of i was like oh this sounds really cool i was looking it up i'm like oh it's like the most popular show in canada like it's huge and so Stu and I, at that time, I'm like, oh, should I like try out for this? Yeah. Like, who knows what happens? And then I was like, man, if I get on the show, like I can wear exactly stuff on the show. Yeah. So that was like the original idea that was sparked for me looking into reality TV was basically to promote our company. <laughs> yeah. I love that. There's so much that you mentioned there. I don't even know where to start. But I guess first talking about, you know, something you mentioned was focusing on the journey and not the destination, right? Right. There's this coach that says, if you, the person that loves walking will reach further than the person that loves the destination. Right. And it's that whole idea of, you know, just working towards that journey and, and building up those rejections. And eventually you'll get, you'll get that. Yes. When I started my nonprofit, what we would do is we would sell shawarmas at our school every Friday. Right. And that's how we would, we'd buy them for $2, uh, sell it for three, make a dollar every shawarma. Every Friday night we'd sell like 400 of those to all the students. And nice. they were so popular and we'd make $400 a night and then use that for the work that we would do. And that's right. how we started. And eventually now, you know, we have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars just doing that. Right. So I definitely like this idea. And I think that's the purpose of the show, right? Like a lot of people do have an idea, do have that passion. Right. Um, and, and, and it's hard to find that, but once you do, 
it's like actually acting upon it and it's nice that you guys literally you know you came up with with the logo on microsoft paint and <laughs> yeah. went to a flea market and started selling you got that initial validation um and and then you just went on from there and um yeah i think it's just really inspiring to see that you did that and you actually acted upon it and although initially you weren't making any money um but you saw that there's room for stuff here right right um so yeah i thought that was really cool but now even for you like like you said you're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars now but it started with just making a dollar exactly one dollar off every shawarma but it's the um uh compounding it? effect yes yeah, it's a compound effect right yeah. it's just keeping those little things going over time and i think that's what most people struggle with is they just end up quitting before they even get there you know exactly. it's that one painting you see where the guy's like chipping through the ice yeah and he's gone so far and he's got like this much left and he's and he's walking yeah away he just yeah he hasn't got seen the results yet right yeah and that's the problem with being visual creatures is even at the gym it's like work out go home work out go home a week two weeks three weeks i'm like ah, i still look the same like it's not that good then all of a sudden you get to like week six and i'm like wait yeah, like, yeah. i got some cut lines here like, yeah what's going on and it's just like that again that compound effect and it's the same i agree for you my friend Sam, uh, he says that he had, he did this TED talk on like small consistent actions, and it's the same thing. Just do small things consistently every day, and you will eventually see the results. Want to talk about you do go on Big Brother? Uh, I know you make it to I think like the final three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I want to learn more about that experience. What was it like? It was from what I hear, it's, it was your first time like on screen, you know, doing reality TV. Right. Um, was it going into it? Did you expect what the experience would be like? And, and yeah, what was it like being on the show itself? Uh, the show, Big Brother in general, was probably still the best experience of my life. Nice. Um, just because I learned so much about myself and not being a fan beforehand. Because um, there's all these live feeds and people like watch 24-7 yeah. if you don't watch the edited episodes. So I really didn't know that much about the show. I just saw the opportunity and really wanted to try it out. And again, it's things that I could find to do to challenge myself. And it wasn't what I expected at all. Because I didn't really know that. I'm like, you get in there and it's like, everything's exciting. And your blood is rushing. And then you kind of are like, wow. So we just like got to hang out all day. And you're trapped inside. And you really are like locked away from everything in the real world. There's, yeah. no, there's no phones. You don't talk to your family. There's no TV there's no newspaper. They don't have books in there. There's absolutely nothing. There's a pool table. We had like a little gym set up. Um, and then there's a backyard area where the hot tub was. And there's like a little open area above. And that's like the only thing. Like, so you could only see the sky, but it was only in like a small area. And of course, they're creating a TV show too. So, you know, you have to keep busy. And yeah. sometimes they'd be like, ah, we're just like, we might get an odd sunny day and we're hanging out in the backyard. Just like, oh, we just want to tan and hang out. Yeah. And they'd close it. Oh, okay, guys, back inside because they want us to like, yeah, do right? they, yeah, yeah. So, but the experience in general for me was amazing because I learned so much about myself and what's important. Um, you move into this house with complete strangers from all over the world, and then within three or four days, you're like best friends with these people because it's just like this for 18 hours a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're together 24 hours a day, but awake and talking and doing the whole stuff i think we were around like 18 hours a day well um so there's really nothing to do except create relationships and bond with people and the fun thing about the show is they cast certain people that they probably know aren't going to get along and they cast certain people that they think might hook up they cast certain people that they think will form good friendships right yeah. and um 
it was really cool because I, I just enjoy generally getting, getting to know people and their stories and where they've come from and what they want to do and their passions and that kind of whole thing, same as you. So now I have all the time in the world to just sit there and like get to know these people. And it was just so interesting to have that kind of time and have the patience to sit down and realize like, you know, what is really important and talk to all these people about their stories and learn where they come from and what they do. And it's funny because you're trying to like form these alliances. So yeah. part of it is like, you know, you want to get close to people so that like they're, they're on your alliance. Exactly. So they're not yeah. Vote you out. But then the other part of it is like, I really enjoy genuinely getting to know these people. So I think that's also why I did well on the show is because I just formed genuine connections. I think for me too, I just, I, I see the good in people and I'm one of those people, I don't know, maybe it's a Gemini trait, but I can kind of like get along with everyone. Like I have friends, like I have different friend groups and you know, these friends might not like these friends. Yeah. They hate each other, but, but you, yeah. I can find a way to get along with either of them. Like I like certain aspects of yeah. each person and it's not in like a fake way. It's just like I can understand and like, yeah. I do genuinely like you and you don't have to like everything about a person to want yeah. to hang out with them. So yeah, and I feel like that was also kind of something when I was younger, I was always kind of the guy that was in the middle. Like, you know, in high school, I played hockey and I was kind of in the popular crowd and maybe some of those people didn't talk to like nerdy guys, but I just was like friends with everyone. I just like loved to hang out and be with everyone and I didn't care. And so for me, I kind of like carried that throughout life and then especially in the Big Brother house, you know, there's people that just like didn't like each other and they're a lot more hot-headed and kind of arguing and I'm like... Even right now, if I'm like, I know I'm voting you out, I'm still like, oh, so how are your kids? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, I really valued that. But yeah, I think it was just, it was having so much time to think. Because you sit there. I haven't talked to my parents in a month. I haven't talked to my brother. I haven't, because you're so disconnected. You don't realize, even for me now, I never really feel, like I spend a lot of time alone, but I never feel that alone because I can FaceTime my family or I see people on social media. My brother sends me a Snapchat of, cause I yeah. became an uncle a few months ago. So that's been exciting, but um, they send me Snapchats of the baby or what they're up yeah. to. So there's always, we're constantly consuming and we have so much coming at us that you don't realize how much it's worth until it's gone. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden I'm sitting in this house and I'm like, well, I wonder what my parents are up to. I wonder what Riley's up to. I can't just be like, Hey, how are you? Yeah. I just, I you don't just know. Gone, yeah. Right. So, and whether that's the good or the bad and even in that sense, like it's all the negative stuff in the world. Like you don't see the news, you don't see what's happening. You don't see the headlines of anything or anything bad that's happening. So it's just you and your thoughts and these people and you turn into kids. We're like, cause we had nothing. So we're like taking spaghetti out of the pantry and like <laughs> trying to do art and like random stuff yeah. and just making up all these games. And it's so fun to like go back to that childlike mentality. Cause it's something that you lose. I find as you get older, everyone's like so focused on this goal and like becoming mature. And what do I have to do to fit into society where they don't let that weird side out that like everyone yeah. still has. Yeah. Right. And then you're trapped in this house and it's like, everyone's being their most weird and yeah. we're playing this game. And like, yeah, so it was, uh, it was really cool. I just learned like the value of, you know, family and patience and love and like all these things when I was in there. And, you know, I I remember, so there's this thing called being a have not. I don't know if you know the show at all. So, um, you could be a have not, which means you sleep in like the have not room. Mm. So it might be a vote. It might be a competition, but there'd be four people a week that would be have nots. And for that week you have to eat slop. It's called. So basically it's like, it's funny because it's actually like healthy for you, but I think it was like a mix of oatmeal and chai seeds and like flax and all this stuff. Yeah. And they put like green food coloring in it. So it just looks like green oatmeal. Like, soft. yeah, like that's all it is. Yeah. It's a big bucket. So sometimes they'd have like the person that won the head of household competition could be like, oh, I named these four people as, I see. Have not. as I have not for a week. Right. 
Um, so there, I did that one time for two weeks in a row. And so there's two weeks where I'm not sleeping on a bed. Like you're in a, you're on, they give you like a yoga mat and you're on the floor and wow. like, here's a, a, a pillow and a blanket. And then all you can eat all week is slop. And the thing you have to remember is, so you're locked in a house. Like what do people like to do when they're bored? Yeah. They like to eat. I so see. a lot but of the time, not, yeah. <laughs> throughout the day, yeah, especially early on in the show, random people are cooking and eating and it's like a, it was a way to pass time too is to like, oh, I'm going to spend two hours making chicken casseroles yeah. just to like pass the time because there's nothing to do. Um, so yeah, you're sitting there, all you're allowed to eat is slop and you're watching everyone else around you eat whatever they want. So you're sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, like sleeping on the floor. But then I just like, I don't know, I had these moments too and there's other people like that were meditating in the house and I kind of got into these moments too where I'm like, of gratitude where I'm sitting in here and I'm like, what do I have to be mad about? Like I'm on the biggest TV show sure, in yeah. Canada. Like, so what I'm sleeping on the floor. Like there's still people living in huts in Africa. Like all I can eat is slop, but I'm like, so what? There's people that are starving on the streets. So I found a way to like tap into that mentality where I could be so much more grateful and thankful for things. So I'm like, well, even though these are tough things right now, like it's really not that bad in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Right. So I was able to handle it that way and have that realization where like, wow, in the real life, like, man, just having a phone and being able to connect and have loved ones in your life and, like, all these things are so important and you're so grateful to have those. Like, yeah, it was it was amazing. And being in there, like, I was in there for 70 days. So finally at the end when, you know, you see your parents and your family and everything and you're, like, crying, you're, like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, two months isn't even that long of a time. But as you know, when you have nothing going on, it feels like an eternity. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I learned a lot and it's still by far – one of the most valuable experiences because, you know, even standing in line for a DMV or something, like get my license, I'm like, oh, this sucks. But I think of like the patience that I gained yeah. from being in that show and like sitting there doing nothing for so long. And and of course it's like, because also on the far end of that, I hate the people that are overly positive where they're like, oh, yeah, I got a flat tire. Like, oh, just be happy you have a car. It's like, no, this sucks. Like I have like, a flat tire, it's minus yeah. 20 out. Like yeah. I don't want to deal with this. So there's that like Fair. fine line where of course you're still going to have your bad moments, but if you can find a way to also just like tap into that gratefulness as often as you can, like, of course, you're still going to be upset about certain things. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. I think that was the biggest thing I took out of that show was probably gratitude. Yeah. Just a quick one. If you see value in this conversation, I want to take this further and introduce you our weekly newsletter. The goal of the newsletter is to provide resources, opportunities, and show you guys some of the behind the scenes stuff that we have. So if this is of your interest and you want to gain more value from the podcast, I recommend using the link in the description to subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you. So I know you talked about, you know, I feel like hearing about your journey you went from thinking about what your friends from back home will say about you know doing all of these things to being on the biggest show in canada you say people watch the live feed like 24 7 right you have all these cameras there's like you know you're being filmed throughout you, you're also trying to win the show like i'm curious to learn more about your headspace and and well, what was it like, I guess, you know, having all this, you know, cameras and, 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 and being part of that experience? Like, would you say, and, and clearly from what it sounds like, it, it has shaped everything you did after, right? Um, so, yeah, curious to learn more about that. Yeah, I think it really did uh, shape everything afterwards. The whole experience, like I said, in itself was pretty crazy, but I was able to get comfortable in there pretty quickly. I guess the one thing, too, is 
they're all the cameras in the house they're like robotic cameras right so they're just like set up on the on the handrails on the walls or all that stuff so it's not like there's people in yeah. there like it's it's such a different feeling when you have a cameraman and a camera and he's like in your face and you're like oh kind of yeah. tighten up but when you're just kind of hanging out on a couch and you don't really realize like you always are aware that the cameras are around but basically you're just living your day-to-day life hanging out with all these people having conversations and it's being filmed so there's not really any moments where like oh i'm on camera and it kind of seeps into your mind at least for me it wasn't it was a little different when you go into the diary room so basically like going in the diary room is when big brother would call you in they ask you questions yeah. like oh how's this alliance is going yeah. and how is this going and so you can talk through your strategy or like what you're doing yeah. at that point in time to the diary room so there it was a little bit more kind of like you want to be on because you had one camera in the room and they'd be like ask you questions yeah. and a lot of it too as they're creating a show you have to speak in the past tense yeah. because yeah, exactly how yeah. the show is going so it was a little bit difficult with that, but of course, like the f- the further you go on the show, the more comfortable you become, and then as you start to get to know the people and everything, it just it becomes quite easy. But yeah, the whole thing really shaped now because I just realized with social media and the internet and how everything happened. Yeah, I, like in my mind too, I was just sitting there and I'm like, I'm just a regular guy, which was cool. And I had this moment where there was a. I can't remember who, what her name was, but there was this girl that was uh, in the hospital. I'm not sure what it was. It was uh, cancer or something like that. But she was a huge Big Brother fan, so they had brought in uh, like a, a poster or like a T-shirt or something, and, and they got all of us to sign this T-shirt to give to this girl yeah. in the hospital. And this was maybe like halfway through the show, and I was just like, "This like someone wants my autograph or like the signature for this." I'm like, "I'm just a, a regular person that yeah. got this like opportunity." But, um, you know, now you have this platform and now you have a, a voice. And I mean, we all have one in the beginning, but now it's just kind of like I have this moment where it's amplified and I can, you know, kind of run with it and make something out of it. So, yeah, after I came off the show, I was like, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like, you know, you went from I know after that you did the courtship as well. Um, you obviously I'm sure your social media probably like grew as well after the show. What was that transition like? And I don't know, right now you do, you do like your own personal branding stuff. You do social media. You have your own business as well. Um, curious to learn more about post-show up to now and everything that you do. What do things look like right now? What does, I guess, a day in a life for you look like, right? And I know we, we talked about, you know, not trying to do so many things and focusing on a few things. Right. But even those few things, I'm sure you do a lot. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, I mean, day to day now I I'm self-managed, which beforehand I wasn't. And this was a new thing too, that I didn't even know was a thing until after big brother. So I guess to back, backtrack a little bit, I get off the show. All of a sudden I'm getting these inquiries from people that are like, Oh, we want to pay you to post your stuff on your social media and this and that. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like a few hundred dollars. And I'm like, Oh, and I'm getting free products and it's really cool. And then, um, my hairdresser actually had a friend who, had a new agency that was an agency for influencers and content creators. Same as a sports agent or a modeling or acting agent. And I was like, Oh, this is like an industry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so they bring me on and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, okay, I'm making like some thousands of dollars for some stuff. I'm like, this is pretty crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, not a lot of guys do this. Also, I'm kind of looking at, you know, what's the competition? Like what else is out there? for guys that do like the content creation and do these kind of brand deals and are in this, you know, influencer 
space. And then I'm like, well, in Canada, it's not even that big. And in Vancouver, I'm like, there's not a lot. Yeah. And I'm one of few people exactly. that have done this TV show. So I'm like, there's a pretty big opportunity for me to move forward with this. Um, so I got on with, uh, with an agency, started getting brand deals. I was with them for a couple of years and I was still serving part-time at this yeah. uh, oyster house called Rodney's. Nice. So I served there part-time then I was doing social media part-time. And, uh, this was kind of this time last year. So like September, November last year, I wasn't getting a lot of deals and I was like, you know, my following is growing, I'm doing well, but my agency, it just wasn't working yeah. out. And I was like, again, you kind of hit this comfort zone. I'm just like sitting there waiting for emails to come in yeah. and like waiting for work. And I just was like, I want to go and get it. You myself. Do I want to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to learn the business side of it. And of course, like the agency is taking whatever it was, 20% of all my deals. And so I'm like, okay, so basically the only deals you're getting me is like stuff I'm forwarding to you that exactly and they weren't really getting anything for me so i'm like okay so i i left my agency i created um you know i got my business email i'm like okay i'm gonna call it djk social got myself uh um not trademarked sorry started my business got myself incorporated and then i just started reaching out to brands i just started dming brands so i'm like you know sending 30 40 50 dms a week I had like a little thing that I would write up. I'm like, hey, I like this. This is the product I like. I'd love to work with you in this capacity. And then most brands all hire marketing agencies. A lot of them don't actually do anything yeah. in-house. They basically hire marketing agencies to take care of all their marketing needs. Exactly, yeah. So I was DMing brands and then I'd get emails from marketing agencies and then I'd follow up via email and put together like a social media kit that has my statistics yeah. and what I do and my rates and the services yeah. I offer and all those kinds of things. And I just started... Uh, yeah, just go, it, it kind of reminds me of like when I started that clothing company with Stu and we went door to door and we were like trying to sell our clothing, just walk into shops. Now I'm just like, you know, it's cold DMing and emailing people yeah. and trying to build up this base. And, you know, I start to get a few collabs and then I've reached out so much and so much. And then I got a bunch of deals and now like a lot of them just start to, to come into me. I'm Organically. Getting, yeah. Yeah. Like my outreach is a lot less than it was. I'm getting a lot of more people that are emailing me because they're seeing like, Oh, well he worked with this pretty big, brand exactly. Yeah. He did this and he does yeah. this full time and my content has changed. So for me, I guess day to day, it's uh, like I'm big into health and fitness and living downtown. The seawall is amazing. So try and get my 10,000 steps a day. Let's so go. I, yeah. I usually like to start my day by having a coffee, walk the seawall and put in some kind of a podcast or an audio book. And I have this like kind of 45 minute walk that I go on that I do the circle. So yeah, starting off with the seawall walk and then come home, go through emails and kind of plan out the rest of my day, see what kind of content I need to shoot or storyboard ideas. So just going through and thinking of ideas and scripting and writing out the kind of things that I, I want to do. And, and uh, yeah, besides that, it's answering emails and doing Zoom meetings because now that I'm self-managed, the one thing is like it is more work because my agency used to take care of all of the yeah. emails and the, Zoom the admin stuff, yeah. The negotiating, like I had to learn how to read through contracts and you know, because all of a sudden they slip something in there and you're yeah. like, oh wait, this you have to pay for this or this is extra or yeah. whatever. So now it's uh yeah, going through contracts, doing the negotiating and emailing and kind of doing everything on my own and then also going out and shooting the content. So you're kind of just like this uh, jack of all trades powerhouse where I'm like. I'm my own photographer and videographer. Yeah. I do my editing. I, I write my own scripts. I negotiate my own prices. I kind of do all these things. So, and some days are quieter than others. Like there might be a few weeks go by where I've kind of wrapped up collabs. I don't have anything going on. And at that point in time, it's just me focusing on my health and fitness and yeah. going to the gym and cooking and 
I like to kind of try new things, right? Yeah. So, of course, with, with the pandemic as well, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know, pick a few different dishes from different countries and try and cook these as well. Nice. And kind of continue to try and, and learn new things. And, of course, keep up with learning online. So I've, like, signed up for little video courses or I go online on YouTube. Yeah. And I think one thing that's super important is uh, being adaptable, which some people – it's one thing that they lack and it's what holds you back. Like Instagram was a photo platform. Now I post a photo, like no one sees it. It's all real. So if I didn't start becoming a videographer, I wouldn't be getting the brand deals I'm exactly. getting today because yeah. I had to adjust that. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, know what your outcome is, but change your approach. Exactly. You, can, you can still get there, but you just have to maybe take a different path. So yeah, it's just kind of like, again, keeping up with the trends, but also yeah. trying to just, just do my own thing. So um, the, it's the holiday season now, so a lot of brands are promoting, yeah. um, of course, with the holiday season and holiday shopping. So now, like, mid-November and coming into December here, so uh, there's quite a few deals that I'm signing and going through right now. So it's a lot of, like, the negotiating and scripting and writing and doing all that and sending it off and then doing the shooting and writing captions. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really going through all of that but there's a point in time you know like september i was gone for a month and traveled yeah. europe and that's really what this has all been about for me is creating freedom for myself like doing something creative that i love to do and being able to be free to be like oh i want to go travel for a month and exactly you know i can still make money while i do it and yeah it's still feeding my passion being able to go out and shoot and also it's like good for me as well like oh he travels here and does that exactly some brands might want to be like oh we want to do something with a hotel or partnership yeah. with this or that yeah so yeah that's uh pretty much kind of the day-to-day thing is you know it's not it's not always busy but exactly for me from what you talked about and reflecting on my own journey what i can think of is this idea that you know to get to zero to quote-unquote successful you have to put in 100 percent of the work yeah but from once you are there, maintaining that is like 200%, 300%. Like it's harder to maintain success than to get success, if that makes sense. And, and just reflecting on your journey and even my own, that's all I can think of, right? Like for me, I, I, I had a point where, you know, I had my nonprofit, I was getting PR and like growing my brand and doing all of these things. Um, but then maintaining that and thinking about what next, you know, how am I going to make it to that next level and, and maintain that and, and put myself out there. So it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, you went from, you know, having that talent agency to now doing everything on your own and putting in the work and you related that to when you went to the flea market. I thought that was super <laughs> yeah. cool. Um, something I do want to touch on is this idea of, you know, I guess either with the pandemic or also post-show, you know, I feel like being in social media for me personally it's it's tough like it's it's not as easy as it looks like mentally it's you really have to have a level of grit you know there's people's people can comment whatever they want right you probably get a lot of like dms with the most random things um having a platform is not always easy i guess my question for you is how do you try to keep up with your mental well-being were there points where you know um it was tougher than others and 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 what is that like because i feel like it's really important that we that we do talk about this stuff right like yeah of course yeah yeah it's very important i think that's one thing that people don't focus enough on is their their mental health and again it never even used to be a thing 10 years ago where it's like oh i need to take a sick day because i have the flu like if yeah. someone if 10 years ago like oh, i need to take a mental health day like a break they're like what are you talking about you go to work and make money and you don't feel great like whatever still show up but it is super important especially for men with the suicide rate being what like 75 yeah it's like three out of four suicides are men and 
um, if there's, I think, I think another stat was like 50 or 60% of men um, can't identify a best friend or don't have someone else that they feel comfortable enough to talk to that's like a, a figure in their life, especially being another guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having Stu back then was, was awesome and having someone now is, is great too. But I think the most important thing too is, you know, getting out and, and doing things. And I think people try and stay comfortable and they think that's what makes them feel better. But the thing that makes you feel the best is when you challenge yourself, exactly. right? When you go in, like even little things like this morning, I'm trying to get back into like doing some cold showers. So yeah. I'm like, okay, just 30 seconds. And you're like yeah. screaming and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, that was awful. But like, I feel, you feel amazing right after. now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. this is great. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's going to the gym and, you know, for, for a couple of weeks, you're hitting these weights. And I'm like, okay, increase to the next, uh, add another five pounds on or learn something new and pick different topics. So like I got all these audiobooks. I'm like, okay, I pick, pick something on health and wellness. I pick something on uh, finances. I pick something on business. And I'm like, okay, hey, what am I going to learn? So it's important to, you know, find these things that you can, you can turn to to get outside your comfort zone and challenge yourself that I think really do help with your mental health. But it's important too just to like, feel things I th and i think people are so scared especially in our generation people are so scared to sit in their feelings they're like yeah i feel bad right now i need a distraction exactly. i open tiktok and yeah. look for something else when how do you know yourself unless you actually sit in those emotions and be like okay wow i feel really sad i'm kind of feeling shitty right now so ask yourself the question why do i feel like this yeah okay is it work is it you know did i did i gain some weight am i am i not eating properly and kind of walk yourself through that in your mind like because there's times too where i'm like i was talking to a friend the other day and i hadn't posted on instagram for like a week which is a long time for people yeah. in, our, in our business and i'm just like can you have like a you know like a writer's block is there a creative block for me i'm like ah, i'm just not feeling that inspired right yeah. now i don't know what it is like i'm looking at all kinds of videos i'm not pulling any inspiration yeah. i can't think of anything on my own yeah but it's like okay it's okay to just sit down and just take a break and reevaluate where you're at and kind of what you're going through and don't be scared to like talk to other people about it too. And that was the one thing, like if we go back to me telling you how I was like, Oh, I was so scared with everyone from my small town. Was yeah. Think, like who these guys think they are moving and starting a clothing business and trying to be like yeah. these fashion guys. Yeah. And finally, like it was such a big deal. We like post all this stuff on Facebook, start our business. And all of a sudden I'm like, they weren't making fun of me. They were supporting us. So, like, exactly. All of exactly. a sudden, they're like, hey, boys, like, we want to order some hoodies. We want to wear your stuff. Like, one of my other friends, his mom owns a don owns a donair shop. She's, like, putting photos up there and, like, wearing wearing hoodies nice. and, like, all kinds of stuff yeah. that was happening. And I was like, I was so scared for, for nothing. Exactly. And it's, like, that classic, like, being scared before you're actually there, right? It's, like, you're going bungee jumping in the whole dry yeah. air. You're, like, I'm nervous, can't stop thinking about it. It's, like... There's no point in being scared until you're standing on the exactly. edge and you're about to jump. Yeah. Like, you're kind of wasting this energy beforehand to be scared about nothing. You're not even there yet. Nothing's really happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is important to take care of your, your mental health. Just find those things and you know, don't be scared to sit in your emotions and feel them and actually do, do the work. And that's what, what I had to do. I mean, I have a bookshelf full of self-development stuff and podcasts yeah. and, and kind of all that. And there's people that think that's lame or whatever, but... Um, I mean, the better you, you know yourself, the better you can take care of yourself, exactly. right? And sometimes you have to do the hard things that are going to make you actually feel better at the end. Something I really do want to touch on is we live in a time where, and there's all this conversation on social media with like toxic masculinity and Andrew Tate and, right. you know, all of this. And well, what are your thoughts on that? What, is, what does it mean to be a man in, I guess, this this in 2022? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... I feel like, because it's hard, you know, for young people that are probably listening to the young men, young right. boys that 
it's it's hard to find that person to look up to and i feel like your story is definitely so inspiring right mm-hmm. um what, what what would you what are your thoughts on that i feel like and this whole idea of like toxic masculinity and so forth yeah that's it's kind of a tough question too because roles are changing and what really is a man it's it's not so much pink and blue as it used to be right yeah um there there are some things where you know that sometimes i feel a little bit more conservative where i'm like yeah i think a man should take care of a woman and yeah I think kind of that and then there's been times i've gone out on dates where they're like oh no i, I don't want you to pay and i don't want you to do this like they almost get offended that yeah. I'm like trying to do something yeah. for them so yeah. sometimes it's it can be difficult to navigate really, yeah really navigate that but i think at the end of the day um being a man is just doing what you're passionate about and not being afraid to like take on challenges yeah. and, and be who you are really it's it's just being able to be like this is me and this is what it's all about like don't be scared to talk about your feelings and but also and both like whether you're sad or mad or whether you agree with something like i think it's important to be able to just be able to talk and lead by example yeah uh i mean really at the end of the day like do like do your best (laughs) i mean it's kind of it's pretty simple yeah like i said you know try and take care of yourself take care of the people around you you know don't say things that you wouldn't want people to say about yourself and try and be positive and outgoing. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a tough thing to define now. Like it's a a difficult question because I see, again, I'm one of those guys that sees kind of like both sides. sides, Yeah. I've I've seen all this crazy stuff that Andrew Tate has said. Then I've seen a couple of clips where I'm like, wow, that really made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things he talks about. So yeah, but I think it's, if you're, if you're constantly trying to like, you know, discover yourself and, and move forward and, really like just be the best version, version of yourself, yourself. Yeah. and treat the people around you with with respect then yeah i think that's being a man i think that idea of being kind being a good person having empathy and you know trying to be the best version of yourself you couldn't have said it better i mean there's something about your story and i could see a pattern of there's this idea of why deep within you, right? And yeah. there's something greater than yourself that I feel like you're working towards. If I had to ask you, and it's tough, uh, so you don't <laughs> have to have an answer, but what would you say that that why is? Well, what would you say that that purpose is that you're working towards? I think the purpose in general and, and my why is just, I want people to see my stuff and them to have the re- realization that I can do that. Like, yeah. I can do the same thing he's doing. Cause I've looked up to other people and I'm like, Oh wow. Like I put these people on a pedestal and then I started doing it and I'm, you know, creeping up on coming to this level that yeah. I was never at yeah. even five years ago. I'm like, wow, things can change so much. And I think most people just underestimate what they can do. And a lot of it too, at the end of the day is just like, I, I, I can, I can nail it down to just having fun and making one of people laugh. Yeah. I've always enjoyed like, serving other people in the way of like making people laugh yeah. and just being kind of the lighthearted guy and like not so serious all the time. And cause there is those moments too, where I'm like, Oh, like I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of posting these dumb little skits and this and that. And then I'll get a random message from someone on Instagram. They're like, Hey, I just like watched five, six of your videos. Yeah. I had a tough day and I had a really good laugh and you know, you, you just made my day. And I'm like, I put a towel on my head and act like a woman <laughs> in like a, yeah. a video and like do these little fun skits yeah. and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like it. it's kind of dumb. Like, I don't know, should I do this? And then I'll get these messages that are people like, oh, I love your content. I can't wait to see the next video. Yeah. And it made my day. And, you know, for me to be able to to do that for someone else, because I get that from people that I follow as well. 
where I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling my best or I'll see something and I'm like, it just completely changes yeah. my day. So for me, I guess the, the why is to kind of be of service, right? It's, I mean, there's, there's also that selfish part where it's yeah. like, you know, I want to build my freedom. I want to, yeah. you know, I want to make lots of money. I want to travel. I want to live a, a nice life. And there is all of those things. But at the end of the day, like the things that I do, it, it's just so fun to to do these things for other people yeah. and, see, and see them enjoy them just as much as I do. Because then you find these people that you really connect with where I'm like, I do something so weird and stupid. And all of a sudden you're like, it got 500,000 views and all these people feel the same. Like, yeah. well, yeah. you know, so you can find yourself connecting with these other people. I agree. Um, but yeah, I think um, at the end of the day too, the biggest thing that drives me is I want to look back on life and say I did everything, right? Like, yeah. and I want to look back and be like, you know, wow, I got that six pack and I built that business and I made that amount of money and I changed that many people's lives and I did all of those things. So for me, I want to look back and not have any, have any regrets. So that's the one thing I go back to is thinking like, time goes by so fast and you know, it's just ticking and creeping away. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, my brother is married now he has a baby and all of a sudden everyone's growing up and I'm like, Holy, at some point in time, I want to look back and be like, wow, I, I really did all those things and I can be proud of myself. Yeah. So at the end of the day, there is that like selfish, like I want to be proud of myself and I'm not doing it for anybody else. Um, but then yeah, on that, on the flip side, it's nice to be able to motivate people to to also do it and i yeah. want to see everyone else because i mean at yeah. the end of the day like anyone can do whatever they want yeah. it's just the doing is the hard part so when yeah. you see other people that do it, it makes it easier yeah i talk about it all the time it's like this idea of when you're on your deathbed right you don't uh, have that regret of you know right. i could have done this i could have lived this life and every time i i have this conversation or i think about it fundamentally and even from your stories it's all about that legacy and that impact that you've left behind on people's lives, right? 100%. Those people that you made that that you made their day or that that impact that you have had. So that is so powerful and and honestly, like congratulations and everything that you've Thank achieved. You. Yeah, yeah, um, before it. we end, we do have one final question that we ask all our guests. Um, the purpose of the show is to inspire people to start their leadership journeys today, right, and not wait for tomorrow to do it. Right. Um, and we want to break this idea that. As a young person or just anyone, you have to wait on like tomorrow never comes kind of, you know, and if you do have an idea, if be it in the sports or in arts or in business or whatever it is, start today. What advice would you have for for someone that that's sort of starting out their journey? Uh, you know what just popped in my head? Um, who says it best is Nike. Just do it. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. That's kind of it at the end of the day is just do it. Um, I really think people and myself as well like we just we overthink way too much and we're so analytical of every little thing that we do that we're not willing to just give it a try so i think the most important thing to be able to do is get comfortable with failing like yeah. don't expect to to be great right off the beginning because it doesn't work that way like everyone goes through their failures you listen to stories of all kinds of people like you know sylvester stallone and uh writing rocky who had like 50 dollars in his pocket and you know, he's believed in the story so much, he ended up selling it for however much it did and yeah. it turned into this whole series. But there's so many people that um, that motivated me because I've read these things where I'm like, oh, they came from nothing yeah. and and uh, and became this amazing thing. And then I looked at myself and I'm like, well, I'm like Privil you know, yeah. middle class and privileged yeah. and I'm like, how can I not like come from that and yeah. do something for myself? So, and I, and I feel like, there is that little bit of uh, where I came from in like the middle class. People are just so comfortable that 
right away. They don't really care to go yeah. after things. Whereas when you're in a, a position where it's like sink or swim, it's either like I'm broke and I'm poor or I'm just yeah. like, those are the people that's always like, oh, I was here. Now I'm an NFL yeah. player or yeah. something like that. I'm like, I feel like there's not a lot of people I know or that I'm around and like grew up in my situation that go off to do amazing things exactly. because they just like move right into the comfortable life and they do the same things as the Joneses down the street. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. But yeah, I would say the number one thing for people who are looking to start, but are struggling with it is like, uh, don't be afraid to fail. I think Denzel Washington said it best when he says fail forward. Yeah. Like, you know, the only way to move forward is to keep failing and failing yeah. forward. And, and, uh, yeah, it's the best way to learn because again, looking back, connecting the dots, I'm like, wow, if all these things didn't happen, I didn't make all these mistakes. I wouldn't have learned what I learned now yeah. to be able to, to move forward. So yeah. I would say, don't worry about what people think of you. Have fun with it. Try hard. And uh, yeah, just just go after it. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, so powerful. I could honestly, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. I am extremely inspired. I could see myself in your story. And I'm sure everyone that's listening can relate to different parts of that journey. Um, yeah, as you say, like just encourage people to move forward and, and, and work towards whatever they want to achieve. And, and yeah. starting today, I think that's the purpose of the show. And I'm, I'm very sure that you will, your story will have that impact on people. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I had a great time. This is awesome. awesome. I hope you are as inspired by this conversation as I was. If you'd like to follow our journey and learn more about some of the other episodes, I encourage all of you to check out our social media platforms at Leaders of Today Pod. That is at Leaders of Today Pod. Before we end, I want to remind you that as young people, we're not only the leaders of tomorrow, but we're the leaders of today. <laughs>